0: What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? something? That's deep, bro. bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, got a lot of great emails to answer and some very important stuff to get into. But first, uh, hold on a second. Oh, but first, let's do some dates. Okay, uh, April 29th, one night, one show, Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. Those tickets are almost completely gone. Uh, if you're going to go to that show, now is the time to get those tickets, Uh, And then May 4th, Huntington Beach Rec Room Comedy Club. And then May 9th in Oxnard, California, Oxnard, Lovely Life. I will be adding more dates uh, at the very end of the year. uh, Some theater stuff Uh, I can't announce just yet, but I'm very excited. Very excited to do those dates. Boy, oh boy. I just love, can I tell you, I love doing stand-up when people show up knowing the lunatic that I am and what they're in for. (laughs) It's like, it's really the best thing ever. Okay. All right. That's it. Only one today. Hey, wow. Okay. Uh, oh, Amazon. Do you shot me through my banner? That's the bro podcast com. If you're doing your shopping on Amazon, God knows I do I, all day, every day. I haven't stepped foot into a real store in so long, which I'm sure is horrendous for our economy. But uh, is it? I don't fucking care. Okay, let's go. I got, uh, I was in the Pacific Northwest this past weekend uh, where it's nice and gloomy and I felt, I felt Isaac Brock all around me. I just, I love, I love Modest Mouse. Okay, let's get into it. That she do not know. I can't be a fool for that, that I, I don't, don't know. Meow, 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 meow. I love it, I love it. He's all up, baby, and everyone hears every little sound. God knows if you've ever lived in a shitty apartment. Uh, that's the story of your life, right? I think in Silver Lake years now when Tom and I first started your mom's house we started your mom's house on our uh, kitchen table in Silver Lake and we moved it to uh, we had a second bedroom we were lucky enough to have a two-bedroom place in Silver Lake California and our wall bartered bordered this other woman's unit right and (laughs) she she got into Ethiopian food really heavy and we shared like an air vent First, like if we turned the heater on in our house, it would go on in her house. It was a house that was just divided up and they could charge rent to many people. And uh, oh, and her Ethiopian cuisine would just waft through those paper thin walls, man. And we could hear her on her treadmill in the morning. We could hear her having powerful orgasms with whatever guy she was bringing home. There's a few. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, thank God over those days, boy. But I think everybody goes through the paper-thin-wall phase, right? It's it's what builds character. You have to do it. If you're not, you know, come on. Who hasn't lived somewhere with paper-thin-wall? So I am back. I went to uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was so great. I got to, I performed in front of so many amazing people. I could tell you guys were, uh, for those of you who, come, who came to the show, thank you so much. It really means the world to me when there's people who know what they're in for. It's... It's really all I've asked uh, for my entire career is just fucking know what you're getting into, <laughs> you know? Because you start your stand-up career performing, you're, you're essentially a dinner monkey uh, for people, dates, and and people in malls who want to go see any comic, just whatever. And you know, you're disappointing a, a great majority of them just because they don't they don't know you, and I don't blame them. Shit. But, uh, but nobody Googled me before they'd show up, and, and I think I horrified many an audience before I finally <laughs> finally found uh, the right outlet for my material so people could see me. So there you go. Thank you. I, uh, I ate a lot when I was in Portland. I ate such good food up there. It's so great. I saw an old friend, which is always nice, um, and I got heavy into season two of Hello, My 20s. Uh, my Korean soap opera, uh, I'm sure I've talked about it before on this show, but it's a real problem because every time I watch the show and I watch the girls eat, I have to order Korean barbecue or Korean soup or something because uh, the food looks so good on that show. And I, am like half the time I'm like, what the fuck? What is that? What's that dish? What are they making? What are they eating? This is so good. And, uh, it's really good. Season two is even better than season one. I, kind of, I had no idea. I can't believe it. How is this even possible? I tried to get into Tara's house and it was so goddamn slow. I mean, they really did everything in real time on that show. At least the first episode, tell me it gets better. I, I can't stick with it. It was like every painful minute of the person walking into the house, putting their suitcase down. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Excuse me, I'm full-blown full pregnant lady acid reflux now. That's the new affliction. The first five months were stuffy nose, and now I, uh, I just vomit in my own mouth constantly. Uh, it's fun. It's one of the joys of making life. But there was that. There was... Uh, oh, man, when Tom and I caught this show last night on TLC about people who lose, like, 400 pounds, but then they got all this excess skin on their bodies. Oh, Ugh. Oh my heart just goes out to them. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like you've done it. You've lost 400 pounds and then your, your reward is like a bag of skin on your newly thin body. It's like the injustice of it, you know? And, um, I feel like they should just give those surgeries away for free. Like if you've managed to lose 400 pounds, it should just be free that they remove the skin for, from your body, <laughs> like the uh, the baggy, saggy skin. <sighs> I mean, talk about some kind of a Herculean effort of losing that much weight. It's just, it's mind-boggling what these people have done with their lives. Talk about getting your life. Holy shit. I, I mean, phew, the amount of discipline and uh, self-control and just everything, uh, that is the epitome of getting your life. So anyways, I'm... uh back home with the kid with the husband we did a little bit of easter bullshit yesterday hid some eggs from the kiddos very fucking cute uh uh oh but i got this really cool email from his school which is (laughs) i i don't know what happened somewhere in the 90s everybody lost their fucking minds um And uh, there's some kind of article sent around about biting, right? Because that's what kids do. They they bite. They bite you. They bite. Yeah, they bite each other, you know. And uh, and my kid bites me when he's really tired, out out of excitement. I think he's just like ah, and he bites. He bites like my leg, and uh, he thinks it's very funny. And I have to discourage it, you know. But the best part of this article they sent around is like, uh, here's some possible remedies. You guys can do to help your child not bite. Uh, You know, number one on the list yoga. Yoga and uh, deep breathing. Because everyone knows that two year olds really enjoy a good yoga session. Am I right? If it's one thing I can't get enough of, I haven't seen enough of, it's those toddler yoga classes. Where uh, you know, small infant child small children can do a downward facing dog and uh they're they're able to sit still and stand still and focus that long to learn all the uh all the poses and really get into it. I mean, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> Yoga. Meditation for a toddler. Okay, good luck. I mean it's like <laughs> Do these people know, children? Do anyone know a fucking two-year-old? That's so stupid. What happened? What happened? What happened? You know what I mean? Part of me is starting to understand the allure of Trump. <laughs> if anything, if anything, uh, I get I, you know, I guess people are like, I guess people are sick of this horse shit too. And they're like, well, maybe the Republicans can usher some sense back into the the liberal landscape. Cause I'm liberal. We all know this. I'm not ultra, 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 ultra. Okay. There's some shit that I, I can't, I can't help but roll my eyes at, uh, much like the yoga for toddlers or, um, I mean, there's so many things. If you guys watch my special, it's all in there. <laughs> Breastfeeding until the kid is in college. Uh, you know, fucking vegan organic diapers. It's like, dude, enough, en- enough, just enough. Just enjoy your first world privilege for God's sakes, for yoga, yoga for toddlers. So anyways, I'm six months pregnant and it's shits about, it's starting to get real. Uh, this is this is about the turning point where uh, start, it starts to get heavy. You get heavy, right? The stomach, the, the belly gets heavy. It's That baby's starting to, it's going to grow fat pretty soon. It's going to mature into a viable being. (laughs) It's going to come out of my cooch and just destroy it for a second time. I'm going to have to go to Thailand to get my vagina reconstructed. But uh, this is it. This is when it happens. This is when you roll over at night and you're just like, ooh, there's a head. I can feel a head. I can feel a foot. I can feel all these things. Um... But I will say the the blessing in the skies, if you will, about pregnancy. Um, if I could get deep on it, which I enjoy, because because um, I'm not very good at uh, at the self care, right? That's a word my shrink uses. Self care: taking the time off to nurture oneself, uh, to to do the things one enjoys doing, uh, cultivation of hobbies and interests. Sometimes that's just going outside and sitting in sunlight for an hour. <laughs> like today, I was like, "Oh, I just I would love to just go sit outside." Uh, but um, I, I did for like fifteen minutes. That was my compromise to myself. But uh, but yeah, what I like about pregnancy is um, the forced self care that comes along with it. The uh, the unashamed sort of uh, nap taking that happens in my world every day. I take a pregnant lady nap. Uh, The absolute refusal to do things that will stress me out, make me sick, get me upset, freak me out, piss me off, or generally fuck with me. I don't do things that bother me that much when I'm pregnant. And I'm like, wow, what if I was just like this all the time? Like, What if I didn't have to use pregnancy as an excuse to uh, really, really whittle down the stuff in my life that I don't like doing? Um. what if I did that? That's pretty revolutionary. Uh, I might start doing that because it, it's so much better when you're like, "Nah, that's, that's not going to happen. Guess what? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to piss myself off. I'm not going to push myself unnecessarily because you can't, you can't when you're, you've got a person growing inside of you. You just cannot because you will pay the price. You will get very tired and very sick feeling. So that's what I do. I take pregnancy breaks. I fucking do it my way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? i fly first class, man. I stay in nice hotels. I order room service. I don't fuck around. I'm not going to make my life hard when I'm like this, but why can't I do that all the time? I'm a grown woman. I deserve that. So that was my big epiphany. Not, not too terribly big this week, but but, uh, but you know, I always do think about this stuff of being on my deathbed and being like, what, what am I gonna, what am I gonna just stop and enjoy this existence? You know, when am I gonna, um, slow down and just, uh, watch things that I want to watch? Not done, not just on television, but you know, little stuff like, uh, last week I did it more, so... Where I just laid on um, a nice piece of furniture out here in the backyard and I was like, I just want to listen to these birds chirping right now uh, because there's so many right now. It's pretty miraculous. It was a nice spring day and it stopped raining and and, uh, what if I just did that? What if I just gave myself permission in the middle of the day to kind of do that? And um, it's great. It feels great, man. And uh, and I and I hate that I have to use pregnancies as, as an excuse to do all these things that I probably can do. I, ha- I have permission to do all these things. <laughs> That's the thing we forget: like you have permission to do all these things. You don't need an excuse because when you're on your deathbed, are you going to look back and be like, "I'm so glad I worked so hard. I'm really, really stoked that I spent so many hours working on shit." Um, or are you going to be like, "Oh, remember that time we sat in the garden and I just we listened to birds together and"? you know, we pet the dogs and watched our kid run around and that's, that's the stuff, right? That's the, uh, that's the real stuff. Everything else is kind of neat, right? It's all neat. It's all good. It's not to be poo-pooed. I like creature comforts. I like money. I like, I like, I like, money. I like food. I like TV. <laughs> I like, I like uh, furniture. I like brushing my teeth, but uh, hey, I don't like working that much. Jesus Christ. I also like to work a lot less. (laughs) I'm pregnant. I work a lot less. You work smarter. That's the whole goal, right? By the time you're in your 40s, you're working smarter and not harder. That's the fucking ticket, man. That's what we're trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do, man. Work smarter, not harder. All right. Okay. So let's get into it. Let's do some... uh, ah, Let's do some emails where's Dan Pena come on dude where's my fucking intro well anyway he's not playing but he says you want to know why you're all fucked up there you go so I wanted to read this um this email that came in it's uh it's uh it was just interesting sometimes they're just interesting folks and I want to share with you this woman writes, hi, I just want to thank you for addressing on your most recent podcast the fact that hiding fucked up shit from kids does more harm than good. For the first eight years of my life, I lived with my mom, who was a prostitute slash heroin addict. Oof, my own. I did not attend school the entire time I was with her and mostly just tried to take care of her. When she was arrested, I went to foster care for a period and then to my mother's parents. My grandparents never acknowledged or even asked what my life was like when I was with my mom. They didn't tell my teachers about my past, so my teachers thought I had a learning disorder because I never went to school. My grandparents just tried to teach me how to read and write in two weeks, which made home life not great. My mom died when I was 11, and when my grandparents told me, they said I needed to quote be a grown-up about this, and sent me to school the same day. They did not have a funeral for her because they didn't think I should have to deal with that. Of course, as a 30-year-old woman, I still have a reoccurring dream that she is alive somewhere and I have found her, but can't reach her because I never got closure on her death via a ceremony that humans have had since the beginning of time. Luckily, as a kid, I always knew that everyone in charge of my life were complete bozos. God, I missed that word. And I am now healthy, successful, and happily married. I still, to some degree, experience embarrassment and question my own feelings because I was encouraged to hide them for the sake of others as a child. I wish everyone knew how important it is to address issues head on and give children the tools to deal with issues instead of treating kids like emotional morons. I truly appreciate you bringing that to the light, Marilyn. Well, thank you, Marilyn. <clears throat> and I can't, that sounds so horrible. They're like, yeah, it's fine. Your your mom died? Just go to school. Just go to school. It's fine. Well, And we're not going to tell the teachers what happened to you because we're probably a little bit embarrassed that our daughter was a screw up. And uh, and yeah, let's just ignore it. Let's hope it all goes away. Just hide it under the rug. And um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <sighs> could you imagine being that generation? Oh my God. You know, and that, that, see, that's the thing. I know I'm supposed to cultivate empathy for these people, for your grandparents. And I, they were, they were not raised to have any kind of emotional, uh, language. So they didn't know. And they just thought that ignoring it's probably the best way, right? Don't bring it up. Don't make her feel bad. Um, I, you know, and, and I get that on a rational level. I do. I really do. I get it that they're not they're not equipped and then <laughs> and then and then you hear stories like this and uh like many others from comedians that I've spoken to over the years um and you're and, and you're just like uh, some people are just pieces of shit too. You know what I mean like I heard a story about a guy whose father had, you know, three different wives and had fathered about 24 children. And this man found out about his other siblings when he was about 40 years old. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> And when, when asked about this from other people, this, this person was like, well, you know, he's still my dad and and still felt like defending the father is what I'm trying to say. Like still, still afraid of his dad kind of, and still wanting to defend his father as a good person in his mind. Right. Like not being like, yeah, that guy's a fucking piece of shit. Uh, wow. I can't believe what a, what a diarrhea parent he was. Uh, it really sucks and I'm really angry with him. And instead, a lot of us do that thing where we defend the people that essentially really didn't do a great job raising us or have abused us or whatever it is. Um, and this happens in like relationship things too, of abused women and and relationships, whatever. You defend the person who's actively doing a bad job of being a person towards you. Uh, but it happens a lot more so with parents, mostly because your childlike brain Wants to be in denial, right? You have to preserve that part of of the, the, the brain, the child brain, that says, "Well, no, 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 mom and dad are good. Uh, everything's fine." Because if you know, if not, then your world crumbles. Because you're kind of dependent. You're solely dependent on them as as a tiny little as a as a two year old. As I see, mine is dependent on us, and uh, they're your world. And if uh, mom and dad are bad. Boy, my world crumbles because what, what do I do? Who do I stay with? I mean, you hear these stories about um, children who are abused and when like child services takes them away. There's a story about a boy who had cigarette burns all over his body and when child services took him away, he, uh, he was like, well, when do I get to go back to my mom and my dad? When do I get to go back? And, and they were like, well, no, that's the whole point. We're going to keep you safe. You're not going to have to go back. But the kid was like, yeah, but those that's my mom and dad. I have to go back. So, you know, there's this primal thing of wanting to protect and to keep these people sacred and good in your mind because as a kid you can't, you blame yourself basically when your parents are dog shit. You go like, well, I must be a bad person because they don't want anything to do with me. I must be a bad kid because, you know, uh, dad left or mom left or mom's a heroin addict. Surely I must be a piece of shit because... Um, there's no reason. My parents are good. I must be the bad one. Right? And, uh, and then that causes a whole world of problems. So my point is, I, I really, I have such a hard time, especially, um, now that I'm raising my kid and bringing a second one into the world, I have a really fucking hard time forgiving, especially this generation, this era of people, of forgiving people, uh, for being pieces of shit. Um, it's like, you know what? Having kids is elective. It's really not uh, involuntary. There are lots of ways not to have them. If you so choose, there's lots of ways to be a good parent and lots of ways to not be. And, uh, it's like we, we, you know, in therapy, they tell you to, you gotta forgive and you have to, and it's so hard. It's like, how, how do you, how does the, how does a kid who's molested by a mom or a dad forgive? Like, I, that one, you're like, I, it's, just, it's not even, I don't even know how one would wrap, how do you wrap your brain around that one? Or, or I don't know. It's, uh, it's crazy. But uh, maybe the first step is just being like, hey, they're a piece of shit. And I, what I did like is this, this person does refer to these adults as complete bozos. And that is totally healthy. And I think totally wonderful that you were able to see that, Marilyn. Because you're right, they're fucking bozos, ding dongs. <laughs> well, you just kinda, you know. I don't know. It's a fucking crazy thing. But yeah, some people are just pieces of shit. That's another thing is uh uh, you know, I feel like our culture has to make excuses for everybody. And um well they, they you know, they had ADHD or they have this or that syndrome, and uh they weren't they didn't have this growing. It's like, you know what? Some people are just pieces of shit and some people are too weak to take responsibility also for themselves as adults and, and, um, and live better lives. And it's like, okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. Let's fucking, let's fucking move on. Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my mom glasses on so I can read this. Oh, mommy. Okay. This person writes, uh, My boyfriend and I have recently decided to move in together this May, and I am freaking out, man. Our entire relationship has been long distance. We were five hours apart for the first year and a half. Then he decided to go back to school this late August, only 90 minutes from where I currently live. We have transitioned to seeing each other once a month to seeing each other every weekend. Oh, great. And it's been going great. We really like each other. And are both excited for the next step in our relationship. However, being excited about moving in together, he's moving to my town in my current apartment, doesn't get rid of feeling nervous or scared about cohabitation. I have lived alone for the last five years with my golden retriever, and I love it. I'm also a very clean person, and I'm known to be anal slash particular about things being certain ways. My boyfriend has never lived with a girlfriend before tends to be more relaxed about things like dirty dishes and bathrooms and is very independent. He loves occasional time to himself. Hmm. How do we begin this new adventure and avoid wanting to murder each other in my 900 square foot one bedroom apartment? Hoofah. Is there any way to show him that my space is now our space and how do I get past my anal cleanliness and organization? Is this something you went through with Tom and how did you guys make it worth? okay uh, both of us feel like this relationship is a real deal and I don't want to screw it up okay got you so there's there's uh you know a lot lot going on lots at stake in your mind I get that but I will say A, living alone is awesome and I'm so glad you got that opportunity uh, i I advocate that everybody. Uh, live alone for a period of time before they cohabitate, before they get married. Um, it's just, it's just a great way to to learn about yourself and to um to really dig being alone. And I think because if you can't be alone, then you can't really be with another person in a healthy way. I think I don't know. I just feel like it's part of being a, a human is learning to be alone and, and really enjoy that process and not freak out. Excuse me, because there is so many people who can't be alone, and can't be with their thoughts, and can't be still. And I think that's the the root of all kinds of dramas, right? If we can't just fucking chill out with ourselves, then who wants to chill out with you, right? You are lousy company. So yeah, I get it. It's it's scary to share your space with somebody. Um, But here is the good news: I think it's really awesome that you know what you are getting into. Okay, you know this. I'm a clean person. I like things done certain ways. My boyfriend uh, is more relaxed about what? The dishes and the bathrooms, you said. He's very independent and he likes time himself. So you know this about him. You're mature enough, congratulations, uh, to know that about yourself because a lot of people will take that um, as an insult, take that personally when a partner is like, I, I got to go, I got to go sit and be in my my den. Um I have a space in our home, my own library. Um, we have the studio where we can sit and kind of be quiet or, excuse me, do whatever. And it's necessary for some people, not all, but hey, it's good to know that. So you know the things. And that's huge that you're already ahead of the game. So if you know what this is, uh, why not work? with those things and not against them. Meaning it's dirty dishes and bathrooms that make you cray cray. Uh, I hate to tell you this. (laughs) If I were you, I, cause you're not going to change him. You're really not. And I think we need to accept this about our spouses in order to be very happy with our spouses. Um, now luckily Tom and I are both slobs. We're not filthy, but we're slobs. We're messy people. We are not tidy people. (laughs) And thank God, because I have, I did live with a guy before who was very anal. I'm saying like folded his shirts with a folding board, anal, and his shoes were perfectly lined up and everything was crisp. And he hated me for being a slob, hated me. Um, Now I'm a really huge advocate of, of uh, spending your money on things that improve the quality of your life, make your life easier. Um, and for me personally, like some people love grocery shopping. I do not. I find it to be a colossal waste of my time. There's about a thousand things I'd rather be doing. Sometimes it's nice to go down and and look at apples and I do that with the kid. Yes, yes, yes. But on a daily, we go through so many eggs and so much, so much food that I would be at the grocery store constantly. So, my, I spend our money on having groceries delivered to the house. It's what I fucking do. And that's where I, I allocate my resources to. Um, I recommend if you have an extra $30, $40, whatever, income or save it up, why don't you get someone else to clean your house? There's these people called housekeepers. They're professionals. <laughs> Professional housekeepers. You ever had one come to your house and clean it? It's amazing. And guess what else they do? They'll do your laundry for an extra whatever you negotiate with these people. Um, you can have someone come to your home and do a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly deep cleaning on your toilets, on your sinks, doing all these things so that you guys have, A, more time together, and B, you're not fighting over dumb shit like who left what dishware and why is the toilet that... Okay, so that is that is my humble recommendation. Hire someone else. Outsource as much as you can. That way neither of you are fighting about this shit. And I'm going to tell you this because there are just certain things in a relationship that you're going to have duty. That's going to be your duty. He's probably never going to do the dishes to your satisfaction. He's probably... He's not going to do, if you have certain areas that bother you, assume responsibility for them and don't get mad at him for fucking them up. Okay. My husband probably hasn't put a dish in the dishwasher in 14 years. Um, Then again, I overfill the trash can to capacity in the kitchen daily, daily. And I don't even, I doesn't even register. And when we're feeling persnickety towards each other, yeah, we'll bring it up excuse me and we'll fight a little like a spat over it Uh, but for the most part i just assume jurisdiction over the sink the kitchen over that uh, dishwasher thing and he assumes responsibility over the trash and we've just over the years kind of that's what we do those are our areas And I don't yell at him for the dishes anymore. I mean, like I said, yeah, you get your bad days and you do, but seldom. It's really seldom. And I don't get yelled at for trash overflow because that's his domain. Um, It might help to explicitly state these things before this person moves in or as they're moving in. Things like, hey, what do you like doing around the house? Are you the kind of person who doesn't mind picking up the laundry you know, the socks on the floor, the underwear. Great. That's your domain. My domain will be ba 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 Like you kind of divvy up the house in terms of things you're most comfortable with that way. Like, okay, fine. Good. Um, you, you do what you can. And then if he's independent, he loves time to himself. Great. What kind of time to himself? Is it, is it video games? Is it, he needs to go for a walk. You know that about him. Great. Respect that. Don't fucking bust his balls when he wants to go do it. Just let him go fucking do it. I would recommend, um, because we lived in 900 square feet with the two of us, two dogs and a newborn. (laughs) That is not a lot of space um, for that many people. So also just like, because Tom moved into my place too when we got engaged. And I I think if you want to make room for him, literally make room for him. I would, I cleared off some shelves for him, drawers for him, throw out the crap in your house that you don't need so that he can bring his crap in. Uh, it does make things cramped. If you can get a separate apartment, if you can move and get a bigger place together, once you've kind of settled into this world, it's, it's tough. I, I would recommend getting a new place, honestly, if you can afford it. Cause yeah, you're going to want to murder each other. You already know that. You've asked me that. How do we do this? We want to murder each other in our 900-square-foot, one-bedroom because that's what we lived in we got married. It's very hard. You need at least two bedrooms if you're living together with two adults. Especially if he wants his alone time, where's he going to go? He has to leave. So maybe get a spare bedroom that we can turn into an office or whatever, gym, whatever the fuck you want, and one of you can go hide in there. But, uh, you know, I am an advocate um, of the path of least resistance when it comes to spousal relationships. I, again, outsource as much as you can. If you can pay someone else to clean and do your laundry and do these things, fucking do it. Uh, Get your groceries delivered on Amazon or wherever the heck. they they, they Do Amazon Fresh. It's fantastic. Um, Minimize the amount of shit that you do have to fight over, and that way you can truly be a team on the bigger issues, the bigger stuff in life. And also be nice to each other. I, like I, um, not everything is a battle. Let, let stuff slide. Who gives a shit? If his underwear is on the floor again in the shower, it is, it is. And it is who gives a fuck. Is he nice to you? Yes. Is everything else great? Yeah. That's his one thing. Okay. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And focus on the fun stuff. Focus on making your days joyful together. Make him you know, do the stuff that you know he's going to like, and he'll do the same for you if he's a nice man. I make coffee for my husband every morning. It's a ritual. He knows to expect it. It's a small way I show him, like, hey, I love you. I think about This is the thing. This is my, my wifey thing I do for you. Yeah, make the home. Make it pleasant. Make it fun to be there. Make, it, make yourself nice to be around. I think so many marital stuff, so much of it can get smoothed over by just being kind to one another because kindness begets kindness we're not constantly fucking with each other over things that have nothing to do with the other person because most of the time you're just projecting your own frustrations about other things on your spouse it has nothing to do with them right you're mad at your dad you're mad at your mom whoever the fuck it is sister brother boss and they get the, br- the brunt it's not fun it's not fair anyways enjoy each other um you know, in the past I have come out against cohabitation without some kind of a commitment. I do think it personally, it's, I, I'm not going to change your mind about this, but I think it can be, um, I don't know, it's such a, it's so hard because when you break up, then you, it's like divorce, but you're not having any of the protections of a divorce, the financial protections as a woman, especially if marriage is something you want to do in the future, I would say discuss that before you cohabitate. Generally, it's harder to get a dude to commit once he's already um, settled and you guys are living as a married couple. It's like that old milk for free stuff is fucking true. Sorry, but it is. And if that's something you want, I would discuss it now before he moves in. Seriously, because you don't want to find out this guy's not into marriage once you're already living together. And once you're fucking... (sighs) You guys have books that are shared on the shelves, and you guys have a, an animal, and, and now you're, you know, you're living as a married couple. It's just, it's devastating. Not so, and I don't advocate it from a religious perspective or anything, more of a practical sort of thing. And I know it's counterintuitive because you're saying, yeah, but there's no commitment with just living with somebody. Exactly. There's no commitment with just living with somebody, and there's no reason to, um, Really push through issues and to really think about things and really take that other person into consideration. Unfortunately, that's just my experience. I know a lot of you, and like I said, I'm not going to change your mind on this stuff. So, but anyway, that's my two cents. Good luck. I hope it goes well. Have fun. Remember it, it should be fun. Um, it shouldn't be fucking as nerve wracking and anxiety filled as we all think. Life is, none of it is, right? You just got to go with the flow, man. You got to go with the flow. You got to go with the flow. That's what I've learned. You just got to go with it. Shit's scary. Shit's always going to be scary, but you don't understand what you're going to do, homie. You just got to go with it. You got to feel the feelings and push through it. it sucks. Everything tough. It's tough. It's hard. It's hard. It's tough being human, dudes. All right. Okay. This person writes, I'm a 25-year-old female from the boring Midwest. A few years ago, I was struggling with depression and lost sight of all my morals and I slept with someone else's husband. Even typing that makes me cringe. I won't pretend it was all him. I know it takes two to tango. I met him when I was 16 and after no contact with him for 6 years, he sought me out via Facebook and messaged me. It was all innocent at first and then he started dropping heavy hints he wanted me. Oh sorry, he wanted more than friendship. I would ignore him, went through phases of blocking him and unblocking him. (laughs) Why I would ever unblock him, I don't know. Until his attempts became so aggressive and I had uh, reached a point in my depression and loneliness that I gave in, I gave no more fucks and I slept with him. I let it happen a few more times until I came to my senses and blocked him from everything and to this day have not had contact with him. But now it's the aftermath I'm struggling with. I'm married now and still struggling with depression and can't shake the feeling karma is just around the corner. I go through spurts of being paranoid that my husband is going to do it to me, uh, going to do to me what that piece of shit did his wife. I just tell myself, well, you stupid bitch, you deserve it. Part of me feels like I 100% deserve to be cheated on and the other part is telling myself, I made a mistake and everyone makes mistakes, but at what point do I completely forgive myself and move on? Or is this even something I'm allowed to forgive myself for? Okay. Hmm. Jeez. That's a, that's heavy. Well, it sounds like you're, you're really, you're only 25. When this happened, you were, I met him when I was 16. Oh my God. Well, anyway, you're, you're, you're young. It's, listen, it's, it's, you know, sleeping with some married guy. Good. No, I think you know that. I'm not, I don't need to chastise you for that. Of course. Um, but of course now that's the, see, this is the problem with cheating. It's not even that like, yeah, it fucks people's lives up, other people's lives. But the truth of it is it, it I think it messes you up more than it does anybody else. Cause now you're convinced that your husband's going to do the same thing because you think all guys cheat because you cheated with this person, right? You're projecting that fear out. About about this fucking guy because this guy did it and and you're depressed and mix that in with urges sometimes probably to reach out and and you know do whatever to get as little zing excuse me a little attention and stuff right because isn't, isn't that why people cheat I think sometimes they're bored and they want a little attention and they want a little a little zing in life um, at the colossal colossal destruction of their own personal life. We, right. We hit the eject button on ourselves ultimately by doing that stuff. Um, I don't know. Why do you think karma is around the corner? You're all paranoid. Um, are you racked with, is it really this thing that you're racking yourself with guilt over or is it something else? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, the thing is, now you don't trust dudes because this dude and you did something that you regret and whatever. But uh, it's not—it's obviously not the case unless you have reason to believe that your husband is doing something that you think is shady. But, um, you know, I think uh, I think this is guilt. That's like, I think you really need to look at why you bone a married guy. Honestly, <laughs> I think. Uh, because everyone knows that's a big no-no, right? Like it's it is that forbidden thing, and I don't know. I would see a shrink and figure out why you felt that that was the good thing to do. And I know it's an age thing too. Like, of course you're young, but that always that's not always an excuse. Because you you know you knew right from wrong. You do now, and it's haunting you and plaguing you. And um, yeah. Why not see somebody, talk to somebody, and and get to the root of why why you did that. What I wouldn't do, (laughs) um, I wouldn't go confessing to my current husband uh, about my past transgressions necessarily. Not sure. Not sure. Uh, That's a great thing to do. Um, Just because it's before him. Who cares? No need to get him all fucking uh, worried about you cheating on him. Because is that the real... Is that really the thing? Are you worried about... um, cheating on your spouse or are you worried about him cheating on you i don't know we tend to um what is it project the thing that we fear the most in ourselves is that right i'm not a fucking shrink i don't know but definitely go talk to somebody get to the root of it get your life figure the shit out bro there's no need to suffer there really isn't So there you go. All right. Let me, uh, we'll do one last email and then I'm going to go and sit outside in the sunlight while it still exists today. I think I will. I think I'll treat myself to some sunshine. Whoa, crazy. Okay. Okay. This person writes in, uh, hi, Christina. Congrats on your second child. Thank you. I know several of my family and friends who have more than one kid say it gets easier to prepare for the second one. Yeah, so far, preparation. (laughs) What are some things that you've learned after having one kid you wish you knew beforehand? Oh, boy. I don't think you can fully prepare emotionally and physically until it happens, but it's still interesting to hear different perspectives for how to handle it all. Okay. Yeah, James. James. Oh, oh! Well, I do San Diego anytime soon. Yeah, we're looking for a, an ideal venue, actually. There's been some issues finding a good venue. But, yes, San Diego's on the calendar pretty soon, hopefully. Okay, so here's some shit. Yeah, preparing for the second one certainly has been easier for me because I know exactly what shit to buy. And I know pregnancy, I know what I'm getting into, so it's not as horrific the second time around. There's way less anxiety. Um, that being said, for second kid anyway... Whole new list of anxiety. Whole new list of shit to be anxious about. Um but you know we'll get there. We'll get there when it comes. So uh okay, what are some things you learned after having one key wish you knew beforehand? Um I wish I wouldn't I would not have listened to somebody who told me not to hire a night nurse. Uh this woman had guilted me about it and she was like, It's your job to wake up every two hours and breastfeed that baby in the beginning and blah, 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 blah. And I fell for it. Like I, I went against my better judgment and I was like, yeah, you're right. I should do everything alone by myself. Um, <laughs> get as much help as you can. I think that that's probably the most important thing when it comes to having a newborn is you want it is all hands on deck cuz you you are in triage for the first i don't know uh, 3 months i would say that baby they call it the third tri- the sorry the fourth trimester because for a reason because that baby is not really formed uh, as a baby yet so to speak like it is big enough to be out in the world and the reason women deliver at 9 months is because the head can't get any bigger otherwise it can't fit through the mother's pelvis So it's like a biological thing that the kid has to come out at nine months. But I think technically it's not cooked really. Uh, It's not an infant until that baby is an entire year old, but we can't carry the baby for a year, the women. So that first three months of the baby's life, it still thinks it's inside of you for the most part. And, Uh, it's not really a baby. It's like this weird alien being that doesn't know the difference between night and day and doesn't know that it's outside and not inside of you. And it's really, I mean, it's just, it's a crying, sleeping, shitting machine. And, um, and yeah, you need, you need a lot of help because a newborn is all consuming. It is, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And, Uh, You need help with food because you're not going to really have time to cook. I didn't have time to cook. Uh, You're going to need help cleaning your house, doing the laundry, doing all these things that you you normally had time for. You will not have time, at least in the very, very beginning of having a baby. Uh, So take help wherever you can get it, wherever you can get it. (laughs) And I would say, because I had a lot of mom guilt about like leaving my baby with a nanny and going to take a shower or going to do something pleasurable in the very beginning. I was very, very just racked with mom guilt. Um, so I would say expect that, (laughs) uh, don't ever buy newborn sized clothing. They grow out of that shit in like a minute. If people are buying you stuff, tell them to buy you the next size up or next two, three sizes. (sighs) What else you 're going to hate your spouse like you 've never hated them? Uh, you will fight, you will resent them, you will be sleep deprived you will you will uh, wonder if your life is over if you 've made a good decision or not uh, what else <laughs> I'm trying to think back to all those newborny moments. Um, but then there's other stuff. I think. Oh, here's what I will tell you, is that that phase passes. That newborn stuff, like I said, lasts for the first ninety days, and then they become a baby, and and that part's really fun and really different. And uh, and now you can go into that realm of parenting, and that part's so I think that that then it gets way more fun. At least for me, some people love the newborn phase. Um, for me, it's I really didn't the first time around. I might love it the second time around. I don't know. Uh, But expect that each phase kind of is just that. It's just a phase. And if your kid is doing something crazy or wilding out or waking up at five in the morning, it probably won't last that long. It'll phase into something else, some new thing. And, um, oh, and then I'll tell you this. The one thing that nobody fucking tells you about having kids, that it actually what is the hardest, and for those of us that have grown up, uh, In an unideal homes and and if you've grown up with a lot of parental drama, having a kid just kind of brings back all your stuff over and over and over and over. And that's why, like, so many traumatized people don't even have. They're like, I'm not even gonna have a kid because I I, there's too much going on. And I really respect that because you will go through your own. You will go like, what the fuck? Wait a minute, my parents didn't do this and they didn't do that and I didn't get this and I didn't get that and Um, and there's two ways people can handle that. You can take that out on your own child and recreate it for them, which is fun, right? Or you can get yourself to a therapist and figure it out and not do the same shit to your kids that was done to you. That's the biggest thing. Oh, oh gosh. Um, prepare for your life to be completely changed. It really is. It's like, you'll have some semblance of your old life. Like you'll be able to do some of the things and feel, but I, honestly it's like, it's so transformative. I'm really not the same person I was before I had, um, Ellis. There's no way, there's no way you can go back. It's like, it's like once you've, you've been, once you've been there, you just, yeah, yeah. Can't you, you're not, you're never the same person, but I do think I'm a better version of who I was. Um, definitely more compassionate, definitely more um patient my world has expanded a lot and i don't need as much sleep which is really neat it's something that happens to you you just you're like a marine i don't even need to sleep as much as i used to you get used to that um yeah i think that Now here's the here's the neat parts and here's like the amazingly fantastic parts is that if you if you like your partner it's probably one of the coolest things you guys can do is raise a child or children together. It's, uh, it's probably seriously my most favorite moments in life are when the three of us are together and we're laughing and playing and doing something silly and, uh, the kids laughing and Tom is just loving, like doing boy stuff with him. I just love that. Um, I love like making pancakes with him and doing all kinds of silly stuff that I never got to do with my parents. I I love, I love giving him the stuff that I didn't get as a kid. Um, and that goes to like small shit. Like, um, like I just bought him these smelly stickers that in the eighties they used to give it to you. Like when you got an A on a test, you get like a pickle sticker or like a taco smelling sticker. And I found them on Amazon and we've just been going nuts with stinky stickers. They're so fun and they're just so stupid and yeah, like shit like that, man. Um, that part's kind of cool. Because also, uh, when you have kids, it kind of uh, it can heal the parts of you that were kind of fucked up from your childhood. So you get to give somebody the thing that you didn't have. And in doing so, it's like it repairs that part of you in, in a strange way, in a cool way, in a very surprising, transformative way. And I I like it. I, I don't know. I recommend it. I say having kids is pretty awesome. It's um, definitely not for everybody. And if you're okay with responsibility, which I am, I feel like I've been responsible my whole life. It's great. Uh, And I don't mind messes. If you don't mind messes, that's cool too. Uh, I like a little bit of chaos. I think it's fun. I like, I don't mind the screaming and the running and the jumping and the throwing and the thing. I like that shit a lot. And uh, yeah, the more chaos, the better. So there you go. I hope that answers your questions uh, James, I hope you have a kid soon it 's fun, oh, and by the way don 't listen to these dumb fucks who tell you that when is there a good time to have a kid? okay? This is like the same idiots that are like when 's a good time to get married? When is there a good time to ba 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 <laughs> there 's always a good and a bad time to have children to get married uh, to have surgeries to do whatever there's yes, there is an ideal time to have children here here 's one of that is. When you're in a loving, committed relationship with someone that you've known for at least four years, okay, so you've seen them through four seasons, uh, you're both of a, an age where it's appropriate. You've got a career that's kind of kind of coming together, or is together. Uh, ideally, a career that is together, um, so the you guys can afford childcare, you can afford diapers, you can afford all the expensive stuff. And by the way, there is you know, yes, duh, it's expensive. Um. There's that. You have an adequate home set up. um, A home that you can accommodate an infant, child in. Uh, You have a car, (laughs) insurance, health insurance. Um, Yeah, a little bit of cash in the bank. But that's when it's a good time to have a child. So don't listen to these dumb fucks who are like, well, when is it a good time? Okay, I think what they're saying is like, the kid is going to disrupt your life and change it in many ways and when is that a good time to happen that's that's what i think these people are saying um but again to me there is a good time to disrupt your life it's usually when okay i'll tell you when uh it's it was sometime in your 30s where you're like how many how many brunches can i go to how many movies can i watch how many nightclubs can we go to how many drinks can i drink how boring is this life how masturbatory is my existence Because you do feel a sense of like, is that all there is? Am I just this thing that consumes? And what am I worried about? These stupid worries. Surely there's something bigger than me that I can get involved with. And that's a kid. Because now you're giving constantly. You're always in a state of giving, in a state of worrying if someone else is okay. And for me, it's great fantastic it keeps me off of me it keeps my mind off of me and my neurotic shit for the most part not entirely it's not a cure-all but it's pretty great to get outside of your own shit for a while and worry about someone else's life and how they're doing um so yeah so there is a good time to have a kid and there is a good time to get married you know when it's a good time to get married Uh, When you've known this person, again, I would say four seasons through, you've seen them through four years of something, right? Three or four years. Um, You know their character. You know what they're like with money. You know what they're like with their parents. You know what they're like with work. You know what they're like in balancing their time their energy and you know if they're ambitious and you know if they sit around and smoke dope all day and play video games or if they're a kind of person who's a get up and go kind of person if they exercise if they take care of themselves until you know all these things about somebody don't fucking marry them right that's when you know and it takes a few years to really get to know somebody i would say wait three or four years before you get married there you go that's my fucking two cents what do i know i'm just a dickhead comedian uh, but Hey, that's all I know. It's I, I'm just telling you what I know about life. This is not an absolute, but I've seen enough people fuck theirs up by God. I've seen enough of that, uh, that, uh, I've avoided some of their pitfalls. <laughs> I hope, uh, I hope I'm helping you as well. All right. Anyway, email me. That's thepropodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a fantastic week. And uh, come see me do stand-up. And uh, and that's it. All right. I heart you. Be good. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with it. Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato? Maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? What's that? That's deep, Bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep. Bro. That's deep bro.